two redheads focused on moving into college, talking about racing. Technically, I'm just moving across the across the pond, know, quad. Yeah, to a different building, but <laughs> true. August, it's August, means move-in month. College starts. Andrew's going to college. Moving half or all the way across the country, pretty much. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. I think my whole family's going, and we're all bringing an extra duffel bag full of stuff. So I have to start yeah. unpacking my closet to see what I want to bring and what I don't. So I... I would truthfully, I think I brought way too much stuff when I first went to college, and now I have all this okay. stuff that I've accumulated over the years that I don't need and hate moving. Serious question. Let me ask you this. How many shirts, like T-shirts, should I bring? Because I don't want to bring too much, but then I don't want to be like... I don't have any clean clothes left. You know what I mean? Like, what's yeah, the name and number? Way too many. I like literally brought my whole, all my shirts. I would say it's, bring like fifteen. Okay, would be like two. Weeks I was gonna worth. say like fourteen. Yeah, I probably have like thirty, and it's way too much. Really? Okay, interesting. Because then you'll buy new shirts too. Yeah, that's right. I I just want to make sure that I still can rotate. It's like. You wore that shirt yesterday. Like, do you have any <laughs> other clothes? I don't want it to be like that, but then I don't yeah. want it to be like my closet's just jam-packed with t-shirts I'm never going to wear. So yeah, that's a good question. That's a good you, question to ask. Yeah, true. As your college expert, it's a good question. But you'll definitely buy some new clothes, especially after you gain the freshman 15. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not. We talked about this. Wait, I need to weigh in before this yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, b- before college. Yeah, it's like the Matt Benedetto experiment. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll I'll keep you updated. We have this show, and then next wait after Michigan. Yeah, then next Monday or or whenever we're gonna record next, and then that's the last I've got until I move in. So next week we're gonna really have a like before and after effect. So I'm curious, see how that works. <laughs> we'll see. All right, enough about college. Yeah, screw that. Who needs Andrew's it? Andrew's an adult now. That's big news. Oh, yeah. I'm ex- I'm excited about that because now I don't have to like... And I, we can be honest here, right? Now I don't have to sneak on to pit road or the garage with a minor... You worry about it. Minor pass. I have media pass. I can go not technically wherever I want because usually walking on the track during the race is frowned upon, usually. But I can go most places that adults can now. So that's nice. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. freedom <laughs> of being an adult. I forget how your commercial goes, but oh, change the oh. word kid to an adult. Being adult is all about freedom. Freedom of play. <laughs> freedom of new experiences. Walk on and the freedom for all adults to walk f- freely throughout the NASCAR Xfinity and NASCAR Gander Outdoors Truck Series Garage and Pit Road for free. With proper credentials. <laughs> yeah, with proper credentials. <laughs> They ought to change that. I'll, I'll send them a message like, hey, listen, this commercial's good. We need to change it, though. I'm a doll. I have a deeper voice now. Give me my new commercial. I'm OK. So I listened to that. I'm pretty sure they did something to actually make my voice sound a little higher. Really? <laughs> yeah, I actually think so. <laughs> because and, and like when they were because I could hear them, they're, they're like, try talking, you know, the high pitch, you know, lighthearted, you know, whatever sound effect. So I did my best to, you know, still sound like a kid, but <laughs> when I listen to it now, I'm like, that's that's a little bit of a higher pitch than I recognize my voice. Maybe that's just like the filtering or the microphone or whatever, but they could have just slightly raised the, the pitch of my voice to make me sound more like a kid. <laughs> and they add a few voice cracks in just to make it appropriate. 
Yeah. Being a kid is all about freedom. (laughs) You're really good at that. Well, a lot of of them do come naturally, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) All right, enough about this. We really need to move on to some racing. Yes, and there was some good racing this weekend. Yeah, let's start on Friday. Um, I want to come explain this first. Jason attends great sporting events, first of all. We go to a lot of races that are really good together, like Martinsville's and Roval's and Chicago's. But Jason also attends sporting events of championship-winning teams. For example, went to a Patriots game last year, who won the Super Bowl. Went to an Atlanta United game last year, who won the MLS Cup. And so, they ended up, I attended their sporting event, they ended up doing well on their prospective sports by the end of the year. So Jason made a trip. He was going to Atlanta this weekend, and I'm talking to a third person. Actually, I tweeted in the third yeah, person. Just say I. Just say I. It's not that hard. It's funny. <laughs> but then Brett responded. He's like, "Nice third person use." And then Bubba Wallace favorited it. I'm like, "All right, <laughs> Bubba, what are you doing?" But then went to Atlanta this weekend, and I was like, my friend was working until like three or four that day. So I'm like, you know what? I've got some time. Let me make a stop. So I was either going to stop in Clemson, which I've been before, or Dawsonville, Georgia. And now, Andrew, what's special about Dawsonville, Georgia? Uh, it's home to, oh, I don't, uh, I'm, I forget the name of the sandwich place, but it's, uh, there's a really good local sandwich place. They got like frat, flatbreads or, I know Chase Elliott, okay, that's his Dale favorite. Jr. Yeah, you you know what I'm referencing. <laughs> I actually was listening to that podcast with Chase and Dale on the way to Dawsonville, and I heard that. I'm like, oh, maybe I should go there. But you know what? If I'm going to Dawsonville, Georgia, I'm going to the most famous restaurant in town. The pool hall. Dawsonville pool room. Pool room. I stole your thunder, and I didn't even get it right. (laughs) You idiot. So going to Dawsonville, first of all, like all the history, they consider themselves the birthplace of stock car racing. Did you know that? I did not know that. Because Why? moonshine running Started. basically originated there. Oh! And I read this book for my motorsports class last fall called Driving with the Devil, which basically was the history of NASCAR from like the 1920s to the 19 to the mid 1950s kind of thing. There we go. So back from the moonshining moonshine running days with a um, bunch of those guys in Georgia. Basically, they would run from Dawsonville down to Atlanta. And it really was from the pers- a big story about the life of Raymond Parks, too, who is a huge pioneer in NASCAR. That's kind of uh, one of the more unknown names, but he was a huge businessman and really was very critical to the formation of NASCAR. So the book's all about them. So all their histories in Dawsonville. So after reading that book, it was awesome to go to the mm, Dawsonville, the city, and also go to the Georgia Racing Hall of Fame there where I where all the displays about these guys and all the history about these guys. So it's so awesome. You'd think like early days of NASCAR, you know, Bill France and Red Byron and the beaches Daytona, but really Atlanta, Georgia was where this all started and all the moonshine running days and all that stuff. It also tells how the you know, NASCAR stopped for the wars, the World War Two and all that and how it this got book? back going and yeah, it's a good book. I had to read it for class, but I would read it anyway because it was really entertaining and told stories that you just never knew i'm i'm so in i love i love the history of nascar so was and this will be my question for you was raymond parks like was his garage there yeah 
his garage was there and I've read, it was almost a year now since I read the book. So I'm trying to recall details, but he also ran like a lottery business and was very critical to the moonshine and, um, red vote. And I think he was one of the guys who had a garage. He was like a mastermind engineer back in the day. It's how they turned these cars into race cars. And it's just how all these little unknown stories about the formation of NASCAR. It's like this whole gang's perspective from Georgia and from Dawsonville, from Atlanta, how they made Daytona, how they became such a big part of racing. Great book. Definitely read it. You should. I think you'd enjoy it. I'm one interested catches, though, you have to You have to drink some moonshine when you're reading it. Actually, my professor brought moonshine in class one day we were discussing the book. Not to, like, really? pass around, but, like, to smell. <laughs> and actually, in the uh, Dawsonville Museum, they had a moonshine tasting exhibit. Dang. <laughs> it's critical. It's critical of the formation of NASCAR. That is cool. We see so many videos, especially when Chase Elliott wins, of the pool hall and the siren. But what is it actually... Like, take me through when you open the doors... What is inside? Yeah. Because I've never seen pictures or video. I've never seen what it looks like inside. So what's in there? A restaurant. You're going to be that descriptive. No. <laughs> you should look at my pictures I tweeted at, hey, Jason Schultz. I'll look right now. So it's really a small room. I think there's a side room, but I didn't go in there. But you walk in, there's a fitting, a pool table in the middle of the room. I would hope so. On the, There's booths on along the side and then there's some tables scattered around there's a bar area where the um, grill is and then the walls are covered with these old newspapers from like the 80s and kind of throughout bill elliott's career about different events and i sent you a picture that during his 1985 speed weeks the year date um bill won the daytona 500 he did this like not him personally but someone wrote a diary on behalf of him to put in the local dawsonville paper so after every day he there would detail what he did that day his thoughts leading into the races and stuff and then they published those and they ended up winning the daytona 500 that year which is crazy and so i read those which were fascinating to read about his how he describes the 500 and all the different things he had to do and all the PR and media events and all the hype and the anticipation and all that was really cool to read from, especially from back in that era. And I was also reading these other newspapers from other races in the eighties and just how they described racing was so much more exciting back then. And of course you had a lot more writers cause you didn't have the internet to spread news about racing. All these local newspapers had writers who they would send to the track or have people send them stories to publish and just the way they described racing back then was super exciting. I loved reading those old stories. So I had all those covered against the walls, just a, your typical like dive type of diner, very small, very um, lots of, you know, old people, which is cool. Just like all these racing people that, you know, are aware of the history, aware of what this town's all about and just go in there to have a good burger. Actually, this older couple talked to me. I was the weird, you know, 21 year old among all these like elderly people eating in this restaurant and with my like sony camera it's like who is this kid from the city what's he doing here but they were like we live like 50 miles away but we drive here because they have the best burgers in like all of georgia and the burger was really good huh that's really cool i didn't even know that dawsonville was like a racing town i thought it was just chase elite's hometown of stock car racing huh i'm had no idea until you just told me that so that's gonna be I, i'm assuming it's a bucket list item for nascar fans right yeah for sure 
and the uh, Hall, the Georgia Hall of Fame museum they have there, I would say it's better than the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Like the quality of the exhibits, really. Like the NASCAR Hall of Fame is just is just so not basic, but it just scratches the surface. Like Georgia Racing Hall of Fame's got all this awesome old um, cars, old memorabilia, all these stories about different drivers and all that stuff. So really cool. Definitely check it out. Man, I want to now. That that, that does sound really yeah. neat. Let's circle back to my going to places where people win. So I went to Dawsonville on Friday, a year since Chase Elliott's first Cup Series win, and then <laughs> a year later on that weekend, two days later, the siren is ringing in Dawsonville because Chase Elliott won another race. <laughs> yeah, that I Road believe is King. no coincidence. But yeah, man, Chase Elliott... He put on even more of a dominating performance this year than last year. It was so crazy how it literally came down to almost the exact same finish as last year with Truex trailing Chase Elliott. Only this time, Truex never really could get to Elliott's bumper, but kind of crazy how it's the same two guys ringing it out and ended up being a, a pretty close margin of victory for chase elliott two years ago to the same second place finisher and he's not been that great in the last couple months like he's been the struggling car the hendrick group and all of a sudden he's got two wins this year reignites and now is the race is one of the most races for hms and now he's like all right we're back and chase elliott has heated up in the playoffs the last two years so right momentum rolling in the right direction for number nine you're right and and i was actually literally going to use the phrase heat heating up but in terms of just the last couple of years he's been getting better and better each season now this is his second win okay yes he did win at talladega but that was a well-deserved victory and it seems like he's just slowly getting better and better earlier and earlier throughout the season. So when you're talking about the playoffs, you're right. He heats it up and, and gets it going at the right times. Chase Elliott could be someone, uh, I would say right now, uh, more of a playoff dark horse. I don't think he's necessarily week by week up there with the, the big guns, the favorites, you could say. But he could definitely be a playoff dark horse. Now let's talk about the best part of the race. Take a guess what I'm thinking about. Kyle Busch. Be more specific. Yeah, I guess which driver do we have to deal with? Uh, Byron you or take, Bubba? You, which part do you think I was think was the most exciting part of the race? Bubba. Yes. Yeah. Freaking Bubba Wallace is turning Kyle Busch head into turn one. They are beating him, banging down the front stretch. It's like... I don't like you don't you never seen anything like that and then Bubba just takes him out in the turn and the crowd goes probably my friend Garrett was at the race and he said that's the loudest I've ever heard of the crowd there when Kyle Busch is getting taken out by not Bubba when Chase Elliott wins but that? when Kyle Busch gets wrecked that's funny no man and Bubba afterwards there were so many phenomenal quotes post race it seemed like every driver involved in an incident had some crazy great dramatic and, and kind of controversial statements and Bubba's like man I'm not a rookie anymore I'm not here to get pushed around and that's freaking awesome but just what do he say at the end of the quote I don't know I, I know he said a four-letter word but I don't remember you want to say it, you can bleep yourself out he said duck you Kyle Bush did he really yep no those words exactly duck you Wow. 
Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Huh. Well, man, he's he's here to stand up. And, and Kyle Bush kind of seemed like he was beating people up, but equally got beat up himself. So um, They were talking about on DBC that when Kyle gets behind in a race, he's very aggressive in returning to the front of the field. Mm-hmm. And when you're overly aggressive and guys aren't really expecting you to be, especially when it's Bob Wallace, who probably was running 15th, 20th, when Kyle's trying to steam through and not giving um, Bubba any breaks, which not give not that he's supposed to give him a break, but roughing someone up when you didn't have even really race them for that long during the race. That's kind of like something Kyle doesn't really think of that he's pushing these guys the wrong way, trying to get back to the front, trying to, because he selfishly, which race car driver should be selfish, but selfishly thinking like, I need to get back there. I deserve to be up front. I got taken out. Now I have to get back there. I don't care who I make mad along the way. But those people you made mad along the way kind of came back to screw you. It's, uh, I, I guess for Kyle Bush, a risk you're willing to take if you really want to get up to the front and make no friends along the way. Just uh, watch your back. And he had to watch his back a couple of times with a couple of different driver sets. That's the main takeaway. It wasn't like it was just Kyle Bush versus Bubba. That was the one event that happened during the race. It was consistently he was brushing up and getting into altercations with different drivers. Started with William Byron. Byron tried to retaliate. Then later we see he's having problems with Bubba Wallace. It's like, how many bridges can you burn in a single race? That was what I took away the most. It's like Kyle Bush, man. He's getting everybody. Um, now remind me, who raced Kyle Bush's trucks in the truck series before? Which two drivers are now Cup Series stars? Byron and Bubba. That's that's even better too. That's right. <laughs> it's kind of like they're like, "You're not the boss of us anymore. We're here to stay." Well, that's exactly what I think it was. Ducking way. Dang, man, that's right. Proving ground. Literally, that's probably the, one of the best moments of the season, that right there. I Seriously. And you're right. It's so kind of out of the ordinary to have guys just roughing each other up on the front straightaway. But that's exactly what happened with Kyle and Bubba. And for Bubba to blatant, I mean, it's clear as day, blatantly turn Kyle Bush. That was pretty crazy. The only thing that I think that would have set him, I'm curious too, because Kyle Busch finished 11th, so there was no post-race comments. I'm so curious to see what Kyle Busch <laughs> would have said. Maybe he finished 11th on purpose. Okay, so that's actually funny. My dad and I were discussing that. Do you think he'll finish a position worse just so he doesn't have to do bullpen or anything after that? If he's 10th, he's like, and I'm right here. Like, why not? You think so? Yeah, because he doesn't, it's not necessarily like he's, right, currently he's not fighting for every position. Like, he's in the playoffs securely. But what about the regular fine. season championship? They're, they're within, he, I want to say, 15 points of each other, him and Logano. You know, you wish that was made a bigger deal, because we have two guys that are very close in points right now. Man, the points are so Logano's much closer than on, last year, too. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. This is closer than it's ever been. Joey Logano's coming on DBC next week, and I'm going to ask him, like, Uh-oh. is there any, like... I know the regular season championship is a new concept, fairly new concept. It's um, not been around for that while, but you would think it's a huge deal right now because you get such a playoff point advantage that this would be as big of a story as a bubble right now, that these two guys are duking it out. And literally no one's talked about it all season long. Yeah. Especially right now when there's only four or five races to go and they're so close in points. I know. It's so exciting. I love this aspect of it. And and that's 
why I really like this new playoff format too. Not as much playoff points, but when we switched and we went to rounds of the playoffs, you get elimination races more. You're watching the points more. Every single stage point matters. It's so fun to watch. I love it. And speaking of, so we're, we're talking about the top of the field with Kyle Busch trying to race for every point he can get to the regular season championship. But when we go to the opposite end of the spectrum, 16th, uh, really, it's 14th through 17th place in the point standings. They are just fluidly switching in and out every single week, and there was a lot of bubble trouble this weekend at Watkins Glen. You think Glen. you're creative with that term? Bubble trouble. You tweeted that, too. Huh? I, you tweeted I did that, tweet too. It. I was like, Didn't get as many. I thought it was going to be like, oh, yeah, this is clever. People didn't like it as much as I thought they would. <laughs> People don't really think you're clever. You got to work on that. Oh, come on. I got my Take moments. from me. Yeah, every once a year. Oh, wow. Wow. All right. You know, I can so, really make this a nightmare for you and stop hitting record, but not tell you. I can just take over the rest of the podcast. <laughs> love to hear It'll me. abruptly end without us sharing our social media and names. <laughs> the bubble is close, but I want to talk about the potential for someone below the bubble who's been running really well to win a race and make the playoffs. Who? Any guesses? Matt DiBenedetto. Oh, yeah. If you recall, he is really good at Bristol. When he was driving for BK Racing, I think he got like a top five or sixth place or something like that. And that's with BK Racing. Yeah, exactly. I want to say, did he finish well with Levine Family Racing this year? I'll look it up. You double check. I'll keep talking. Um, He's finished super well in the last couple weeks, has had some really good performances. And he basically, he didn't say this directly, but he basically said in his post-race interview, I don't have a ride next year. They're kicking me out of here because Joe Gibbs has this master plan to either put Eric Jones or Chris Rubel in this car to get them to kind of usher the I don't know, farm system in a way, them into the future of Joe Gibbs racing. And we're going to use this 95 team who we have a technical alliance with to do that. So De Benedetto probably knowingly went to that 95 team, no, um, pretty much assuming that it was going to be a one-year deal. It's a great opportunity for him to showcase how talented and how skilled he is, but knowing that this is not my ride. This is the Joe Gibbs fifth car out on the track. And I think he's proving himself extremely well this season, especially these last couple of weeks with these awesome finishes that he deserves a ride. Like I get that the money is why Chris Rebell or Eric Jones will go on that ride, but the Benedetto deserves it. He's running so well and he's got so much potential. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he finished 12th at Bristol earlier in the year, but and they weren't that good at the beginning of the season. They've gotten a lot better in the last couple of weeks. They have. They have improved. And and when you're looking at Matt Benedetto too, he's so marketable. I figure if you're a sponsor, you want to do something with that driver, it has got to be so easy to get him to do so. I mean, even for me, I know I can get really creative with the interviews with the Benedetto because he's a fun personality. So for a sponsor to come forward and and I know the money, the sport, and that's what confuses me so much too, is like, why aren't more people coming to, you know, sponsor Matt Benedetto when he's so marketable, you know, he'll take your company and run. I know sometimes the cost of sponsoring a car comes into play, but it always comes into play. I know. Every single ride is based on money and sponsorship. But I just figure if you're looking to make your way into the cup series, 
You don't want to go for the top line right away with, you know, big name teams like Henrik Motorsports, Joe Gibbs Racing, Penske. Why not go to slightly lower at Levine Family Racing? Get a great deal. I would think it would seem like nah. with a lower driver. You, you, you got to pay the same for every cup sponsorship because uh, they're all the same. They're all paying the same money pretty much to race. So, but ideally in a perfect world where sponsors are willingly coming and jumping in and throwing out money he would have a ride and have a place like ross chastain also would have a ride and ride a place but it's so much about these teams and these sponsors dictating everything and it's not about who deserves a ride or who's talented it's all about who is in the right position and has the right amount of money in their pocket which is not how it should be but you can't yeah argue that it's not like that you're right it shouldn't be that way and <laughs> money of the sport will always take over money is what will drive the sport, but you're right. Matt DiBenedetto, Matt DiBenedetto, he does deserve a ride. Hopefully he can find and or keep his arms his are current bigger one. than Andrew. I know. I, I, um, Hey Matt, do you mind if we measure your arms real quick for your next interview? That's a little weird. I will say, but I asked him cause he did this thing. It's called a yoke carry and it's basically, Oh, you say yoke. Yeah, I didn't even work that in, but... Noah Gregson, do you want to chime in real quick? Well, I've been getting yoked. (laughs) Thanks, Noah. What were you saying? So he does this thing called a yoke carry, and it was basically like he picks up a rack, like a weightlifting rack, and walks with it. It's nuts. He posted on Twitter a couple months ago, but I asked him about it, and he, he said he wants to feel... And train like any other professional athlete would. And that that's kind of the reason behind him lifting so much weights and all that. But it's crazy to see what he can do. He lifts things up and puts them down. Yeah, that's, that is one way you could put it. <laughs> so, I didn't see Jimmy Johnson's post-race interview until yesterday. Mm-hmm. And he had some very harsh words for Ryan Blaney. So you've got Jimmy Johnson, who's never like this very animated guy, always very calm, cool, collected. Every interview, I've never seen him angry, pretty much. Except now when he's dealing with Ryan Blaney, and he basically was calling Ryan Blaney out for being a little like acting scared, acting like a. I don't know how to describe it, like a coward when they were yeah, discussing. Yeah, his lips were quivering, is what Jimmy Johnson said. Yeah. Like, dang, you would man. never expect Jimmy Johnson Mike to sound drop? like that. Like, whoa. He's animated. And, I know. Um, we were talking about on the DBC, too, how that's like you've got the TV Jimmy Johnson and the professional Jimmy Johnson, but then you've got Jimmy Johnson, the person, and some guys that know him better than most fans and media do are kind of like, that's, that's Jimmy Johnson, the person right there. Dang, I loved it. Like, here's the thing that I don't get. Maybe you can enlighten me from the PR side, but why don't you just let Jimmy run loose like that? I, that was my favorite. That could be like my favorite yeah. Jimmy Johnson moment almost of all time because that was so real and he was so fired up and ready to go. It was like, I'm, I'm energized just listening to you because this yeah. is the Jimmy Johnson we have like never seen before. It was so cool. It's awesome. Yeah. Jimmy came about like his career took off in that era where NASCAR was so it was becoming so driven by sponsors and corporate and just this, you know, suit and tie sport, not your backyard Southern NASCAR anymore. It was changing the guard. And I think he was a product of that. And a lot of the guys that are stars today, like Ryan Newman was a rookie, I think the same year, actually 
trivia, Ryan Newman beat Jimmy Johnson for Rookie of the Year. Can you believe that? Yeah, I could believe that. And so, like, they came up at the same time, are not super overly animated, aren't the biggest, best personalities, but are still who they are. And I think NASCAR, the way NASCAR was in the decades, or the decade they started racing and kind of shaped all that, I think that's why he's not the Jimmy Johnson we saw on Sunday. But that Jimmy Johnson we saw on Sunday, if he was the seven-time champion and he was acting like that his whole career, I think he would have been way more compelling of a character. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this uh, Two things He's like oh if that's racing then I'll show you Racing stay tuned everybody that's what He said to finish off the NBC interview hmm. Do you think he retaliates I think he does Frankly because he was so fired no. up About it now I know he has a whole week to kind of Calm down and settle down But I think Based off of how mad he was I don't think this is over I don't think he'll go out of it. I'll say no. I don't think he'll go out of his way to make Blaney stay hell because he's right on the playoff point, like bubble. He needs You're to right. run well. He You're cannot right. be thinking about anything else. He needs to be all focused on making up points, gaining points, finishing well. So and he not can make creating the more enemies. Like, That's a good point. That's like, smart. I might it, have to actually hey, switch over to your side. I say a lot of smart things. <laughs> but at Bristol, if it's like him and Blaney next um, if one from the other, and they're racing through the turn, and um, Jimmy gets into him a little hard and knocks him off the track, I think that's fair game because he's not going to take it easy around Blaney, but he's not going to pr- go out there purposely trying to wreck Blaney and make his day yeah, maybe that's, He needs his day to go well. Maybe that's what I was kind of going at. I don't think he's going to purposely wreck Blaney, but in terms of racing him way harder, I think that's what we're going to see. For sure. Okay, good. So and, we agree on that. Uh, my second question for you, because I've got two. I'm Wolfgang. Whose side were you on? Like, who do you think was in the right and the wrong? I actually think, while Jimmy was super upset and fired up about it, I don't think Blaney did anything too terribly wrong. I truthfully don't remember what actually happened. Was it when Jimmy... I forget, actually, I have no so idea I think Blaney happened. hit Jimmy in the bumper in the carousel, something spinning it into the tire barrier. And I, I believe it was just a racing incident that unfortunately caught someone close on points got caught up in it and was upset because i don't think he was really as upset about the move that blaney made but i think jimmy was more fired up about the fact that they had a really good day they don't normally have that many good days and something went wrong that jeopardized or hurt their chances of making the playoffs i think that's why he was more upset and blaney was more looking at the on-track issue itself probably the implications of what that does to them at this point in the season i think that's what jimmy was upset about right, versus right. i think it was just like a third or fourth race of the year which it, it just, happen, it just happened to bleed blaney who he took it out yeah. on is where i think is going from yeah. I, I wonder how blaney is thinking like you don't oh, rub jimmy, yeah, you don't jimmy johnson up. jimmy johnson does not have that many people on his bad list you don't want to be like the one guy on jimmy yeah. johnson's bad list there yeah i don't know i'd be curious man and I wish they just stuck a microphone into their conversation because you could kind of see both of them being animated. But I'd be so curious. I'm always curious, like when drivers go up to another after the race and they're pissed off and they're talking to each other. What are they saying? How I love how, you. How many cuss words are there or how civil is it or whatever? I'm sure it's far from civil, but I'd be so curious to be a fly on the wall and listen to those conversations, too. I think instead of doing your Victor Lane interviews, you should just go, go and find track the, out fight the fights after the race. <laughs> yeah. It's a way better content. You're going to get way more views. 
You're right, but I don't like talking to people guy, who are Hey, how was your race today? It was great. I won. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Last time I talked to an unhappy driver was Kyle Busch. And it was after qualifying at Talladega. And he was so oh, pissed about it. I'm like, Talladega I don't get it. makes me so mad. I don't get why he was so pissed. But I guess that's the racer mentality in him. Uh, and you're going to have to bleep this part out. But Oh, you're 18 now. I think you just swear all the time. I'm going to quote Kyle Busch. I'm going to bleep so it out. So I walk up to him. I'm like, hey, Kyle, how you doing? He's like, oh, man. You know, qualifying like Talladega. Living the dream. It's like, all right. Let's get into this interview. I'm not looking forward to it anymore. So now put this blindfold on, Kyle. We're gonna play a game. <laughs> he would have been so pissed. But remember, Bowman said that to me in victory lane afterwards. He's like, "You're not yeah. gonna blindfold me this time, are you?" So he's awesome, by the way. Can I just say? And if I see him in Michigan, I'm gonna ask, like, "Hey, what do I got to do to be on your close friend story?" I think he just started <laughs> posting them on his story, though. So I know, I know. Well, not recently, not many, but. I don't think it, I don't think that's his day job. Just posting. I don't think it day. is either. When he comes across a good one, yeah. All right. So Jason doesn't have to edit this whole thing. Let's wrap it up. Sounds good. Just say just say so. I don't have to edit this whole thing. Why do you got to talk in the third person? All right. Jason, where can we follow you on Twitter? Follow me at Hey Jason Schultz. I posted some content from Atlanta this past weekend. Went to three sporting events in three days in Atlanta. I love sports. That's cool. I content. like sports. That's some good stuff. All right. We'll catch you next week. No, oh, wait, no, wait, 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 wait. Follow me, please. <laughs> you can follow me at Andrew Curland TV on Twitter at Andrew Curland on Instagram. Going to Michigan this weekend. Actually, it's oh, yeah. the lightest weekend I've had all season long. But frankly, I'm OK with that because Chicago, Daytona and Pocono were just we were running with our heads cut off. So it'd actually be nice to go to the racetrack, do a couple of interviews, but then just sit back and relax. Fingers crossed something with NBC happens. So if anything were to happen, it'd be on the pre-race show, NASCAR America pre-race show. I don't know anything at this point. But we're trying to set something up with them. So if that's the case, you'll hear from it from me on social media. But tune into the NBCSN pre-race show. You might see or hear a familiar voice. So fingers crossed on that. Follow me on Instagram. I'm going to the beach. See ya. <laughs> that's good. Nice. Nice. Well, is that it? Is that all we got? That's Mic all drop. she wrote? Mic drop. That's, that's got to be the name. Mic drop. I just want Jimmy, to go on the beat. Mic drop, Bubba, mic drop. Fine, just end Do it. Do whatever you want. You edit the freaking thing. All right. Um, thanks everyone for listening. We will see you next weekend. Next week. Next week. Never mind. All right. See you. Bye. It's your first time doing this.